good to see you guys. Yes, uh, I woke up. It was one degree out. And I'm like, no. No, it's not in the name of Jesus, okay? And uh, super excited. Way to brave the cold. Wonderful to see you guys here. Uh, as, as Lisa, my wonderful mother, did mention, my name is Nick. Honored that you would spend your Sunday morning here at CORE Church. And um, man, what a, all these beautiful faces, new faces. So nice to meet you guys and see you guys. If I haven't met you yet, please come talk with me. I would love to chat with you. Uh, catch up about life and, and, and see what's going on in your life, what God is doing. Really excited for today. We are wrapping up the series, The Rope. Someone say The Rope. The Rope. The Rope. The Rope. What is Nick preaching about? The Rope. We're talking about three things that are crucial to our life, and we find these three things in the greatest sermon that was ever given to us. In Matthew 6, Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mountain. It's this beautiful sermon, has so much content. Jesus, I mean, Jesus can preach, duh, he is the word, okay? So he's preaching and revealing stuff to us. The greatest sermon ever given to us has three challenges, three challenges that come with great reward, great reward. Does anyone want to find that reward, a heavenly reward in this place today? Three challenges that come with reward. It's this, and I'm just going to give you a little taste of it. When you give, someone say, when you give. When you pray and when you fast. And so the past two weeks, first week we started us off, we started about praying and talking about how to pray in Matthew 6 and looking at the Lord's Prayer and really breaking that down. And then last week we talked about when you fast. Ooh. Uh, fasting was difficult for me this week. I'm not going to preach it and not do it, folks. Did anyone else fast this week? Anyone else? Okay, a couple hands, a couple hands. Good for you guys. Uh, we tried a technology fast and uh, on, on Monday, and uh, it was President's Day, and my four-year-old, I mean, he pushed me to the limit, church. To the li I'm like, you need the greatest showman right now. This is the greatest show. Okay, so like we put, I know I, I fell short, I'm sorry. And then um, Tuesday, Tuesday to Wednesday, we had a, a, a food fast. My wife and I were fasting, and that went really well. And I want to encourage you, I don't know if you fasted this week, but if you did take the challenge, don't be discouraged if it wasn't this overwhelming fall-on-your-face spiritual experience, keep doing it. Make it a habit in your life and watch how God rewards you. Amen. 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 So these three topics, give, pray, and fast, when they are, they are uncomfortable to talk about in church. As Lisa, as Lisa mentioned, man, it can be uncomfortable to talk about these three things. Fasting, I like my food. Amen. Hey, yep. Okay. Praying, yeah, I, I kind of know how to pray. I talk to God every once in a while. It's like, hey, God, need you, you know, and... Lastly, talking about giving, and uh, I, I really want to come at this from a perspective of giving and uh, from what it does to your heart, what it does to your heart today. And uh, so I feel called to give you this message. I feel called and pressed to speak on this because I need to remind myself, too, that it is important to give. And so we talk about these three things. We're calling it the rope because this, a cord of three strands, I love how it puts it in Ecclesiastes, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Does anyone want an unbreakable faith journey? Yes, 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 I love it, I love it. And so um, I want to walk a journey that is unbreakable. And I believe that when we give, when we pray, and when we fast, when we're faithful and obedient in those three things, we will have an unbreakable faith journey. When giving, praying, fasting, or practice together, our faith journey is not easily broken. I want to encourage you guys before we jump into this. Um, 
There's clipboards on the front. If you want to take notes, I know I forget what happens on a Monday. So take some notes. Write some stuff down and, and, and make sure that you take a look at this throughout the week. Throughout the week. Last week, we, the bottom line was this, that Jesus was, is, and always will be the only source that we need. And so this week, we're talking about giving. From the very set of, of Core Church, we, we surrounded everything with the, with the phrase heart. Core Church, we're all about what God does in your heart. Outside appearances, cool, whatever. A building with the roof, whatever. I mean, that's important stuff. We get to worship and be together, but we are all about the heart here. Amen, church? We want to see what God wants to do inside our heart. And so, yeah, like TV screens, like, cool, we got, like, drums, whatever. It, it really, none of this stuff matters. What is the most important thing for us here at Court Church is the heart of the believer. And most importantly, the heart of Jesus. And so, I love this. Matthew 6 puts it this way. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you're, where you're giving, where your finances, where your wealth is... There your heart will be also. And so I'm not talking, it's really cool, like, yeah, you can give to a church, that's, that's awesome, but this isn't it. I want to express my giving so that I can remind myself where my heart is, amen? I, I, I was praying about this series, and I felt like I got hit with a ton of bricks on this line here. Giving, write this down if you're taking notes, giving reminds our heart where it comes from and who it belongs to. Yeah, four walls, like church, we got to get, no. Giving, when we give, it reminds me. It reminds my heart who, is, who has saved it, who has rescued it, who has died and rose again to make it what it is. That is what my heart is longing for. That's why I give. That's why we sacrifice week in and week out to remind ourselves that Jesus is our source. I'm going to find this text message for you guys. And, uh, oh, that was chess. Nope, not chess. Let me find it. Hmm. <laughs> Someone shared this with me this week, and uh, obviously we've been going through this series. And uh, she texted me. She said, random thoughts on giving. A couple years ago, you mentioned to us how important giving, and we began to tithe. It's been almost a year that we've been both laid off, and it would be so easy to choose not to tithe. I have no doubt that the only reason we've been able to keep our heads above water is because we tithe. We have been so blessed by the church and God working in mysterious ways that I truly don't know how things are paid. It astonishes us every month. But I know it's God. But I know it's God. This is, this is such an interesting point. I set, up, I set up reoccurring tithe to automatically come out because um, out, but I, I didn't like it because I, I like consciously making the decision to tithe. I like remembering why I'm tithing. I think it's important to do it because you, uh, you want to, not because you forget to set a payment. And uh, I just, I love, I love that heart. God takes care of us. God is after our heart. In the scriptures, in the same, in the same section of, of, in the same sermon, God talks about not worrying. He says, hey, if I'm going to take care of the birds, if I'm going to make sure that they have food to eat, I will make sure that you have so much more. I love this heart. We're going to talk about giving today. Giving doesn't necessarily always have to happen with the church. Giving can come with your time, your treasure, and your talents. There's so many elements to giving, but whatever it is, whatever we have, when we give, our heart is transformed from the inside out. Amen, church? So I was, uh, I was 14, 15 years old, and my dad was like, hey, Nick, let's go serve the homeless ministry. I'm like, awesome, yeah, let's do it, because, you know, I'm a young teenager, like, love changing the world, okay? And so I'm, I'm going down, and uh, I used to have these shoes. Gosh, I was such a weird kid, okay? So I used to have these shoes that were uh, custom-made 
all Nike shoes, but I made them like super flamboyant, like orange and green and neon blue colors. And uh, do you remember the Bob Saget guy? I had Bob Saget engraved on the side of my shoes, okay? <laughs> really, really weird, really weird. So we're serving and we're giving out like Thanksgiving meal and like mashed potatoes, turkey, corn, and they're coming through the line and we're serving this homeless ministry and um, it was really awesome. I start because, you know, I'm not necessarily a worker. I'm a talker. Anyone else like that, okay? Yep, that's me. I can talk to a wall, all right? And so I'm like, you know, I'm talking, hey, how's it going, man, talking to everyone. And this dude comes up to me and he's like, hey, bro, those are cool shoes, I'm like, yeah, they say Bob Saget on the side. Aren't they dope? And uh, he was talking to me, and he said, what size are they? And it was really, it was really interesting, really bold that he said that. And I, don't, I got small feet, 10, okay. And he said, bro, can I have them? And so there might still be a guy walking around downtown Pittsburgh with shoes that say Bob Saget on it. But I, I gave my shoes away, and, and I remember uh, it was cold. It was like, again, Thanksgiving time, and. I had no shoes. My mom and dad were like, bro, those were custom shoes. What's going on, man? And uh, I will tell you, as a 14, 15-year-old, I didn't, I didn't care that I gave my shoes away. And I'm not trying to brag personally about myself. All that I know is that what happened to me as a 15-year-old is I recognized that something goes on in your heart when you sacrifice and you give for people. That when the word of God says, don't just merely pray for someone, but give them the, the, the jacket off your back. There's something different about operating in that way. We can have such good intentions. We can mean well. We can say, hey, yeah, I love Jesus, and, you know, I'm praying for you, and I'm with you. But when some need is presented, when believers take action, heart transformation begins to happen. And so I'm trying to give you an example because I don't want to just make this about the dollars. I want to make this about a lifestyle that changes your heart from the inside out. And so, again, I gave away as a 15-year-old my shoes. I was walking around in socks, and they were all wet because it was snowing. But it was incredible when it happened. Giving transforms your heart from the inside out. I always say this. I always say this when I talk about generosity. I've never met a miserable, generous person. Show me them. Seriously, show me them. If you find someone who is overwhelmingly generous, has an eye to give, is looking forward to intentionally sacrificing for people, you will not find me a miserable person. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because giving and generosity and misery don't go hand in hand. Truthfully, giving and love go hand in hand. Giving and love go hand in hand. Giving transforms our heart. And so I got a question for you today and a question for me today. Is my heart missing out on the joy and the blessing of giving? Is my heart, I don't give so God can give me some money back, although he definitely blesses us abundantly. I'm not going to deny that part of the scriptures. But I don't give and make this contract, God, I'll give you a tenth and you give me, you know, a fortieth. No, no, no. I give because it is a joy and a blessing, and my heart is transformed by the ins- on the inside out. So I was talking with our, our, our team, and I, 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 I want to be up front and, and honest with you. Um, week in and week out, uh, some, you, you, guys, you guys are so generous, and, and you guys sacrifice in such great ways. And it is, honestly, for Emmy and I, and, and the honor of being your guys' pastor, it is beautiful that you would walk, in us, walk with us through this journey of, of core church and sacrifice in generous ways. And So I want to be up front with you. Our, our giving, we have a certain amount of bills that we make each month. And if you want some details, you can come talk to me personally. But 
We have bills each month, right? It costs, it costs something to run a church. It costs something to manage this building and make it all happen. And so we, we on average, per month, probably have $500 to $1,000 left over after bills. And that's a blessing. Like, you guys are incredibly generous, and we, we love that. Here's the thing that was just laid on my heart, though, in regards to this sermon. Emmy and I felt this call by God to begin and, and start core church with you guys, not so that we can have a dope, awesome building, but that we can change a community. Yeah. And, and as much as it is a blessing to be in this building with you guys, I want us all to sacrifice together so that we can change the world, not just the four walls in the room. Yeah. And so would you partner with us in that? There's so much that we can do. Uh, my, my parents, they run a, a, a missions group, 2028 Missions, that goes down to Appalachia and just rebuilds homes. And I want to give to that mission and partner with you guys. I don't want to say, but I feel we're tight because God will always provide. God will always come through. Amen. But, but I want to give generously and care for that ministry. I want to partner with people who are homeless in Pittsburgh. I want to do things. It is being pressed on our heart that we need to extend our outreach and stop focusing on what's happening in here. Yes, this needs to be healthy, but, but go beyond and allow Christ to move beyond the borders of a, a church. Amen, church? And so, and so I got I to gotta challenge you, and if I can be a pastor for a second, don't miss out on the joy of giving. Not because four walls become really awesome. No, no, no. So that we can go and change the world. And that happens when all of us, arm in arm, sow seeds and sacrifice in great ways. So if you haven't given, there's a box at the, at the back. There's a way that you can do it online. Partner with us, not, not these four walls, but partner in taking the mission forward and going beyond the four walls. Amen, church. And so I want to show you, again, I, I got the pastor thing out of the way. I want to talk about the heart and what happens to us inside when we pour everything out. We find this story in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 7. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to, oh, I'm sorry, Luke 7. Luke chapter 7. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to read a story and we're going to see a woman's heart as she pours out her wealth. We're going to see what God does to her heart as she pours everything that is valuable to her out. I'm excited to talk about this story because, again, giving is not necessarily about the dollar amount. It's about the heart behind it. And so, <laughs> if you guys are there, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought a jar, an alabaster jar of perfume. Hold on right there. So first of all, this woman was so desperate for Jesus. Can you imagine you're having a party and you're meeting with your friends and some person just come bursting through your house and talking to one of your guests? You'd be like, out, bro. That's weird. This woman was so desperate to get to Jesus that she had to burst into this random Pharisee's house. And by the way, a Pharisee would not have liked this sinful woman at all. So not only like a friend, but bursting into a house of an enemy to meet Jesus. She needs him so much. She's so desperate for this love. She's so desperate for this forgiveness that she will burst into a house owned by someone who hates her and judges her. But notice that she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. You know, lots of times we can come to the house not prepared to give. 
And this woman actually walked into the house prepared to give. It was an intentional decision. Oh, Jesus is in that house. Let me grab what I value and bring it to this house. A detail in this story that I never really considered before. She intended on giving the entire time. She walked into a scary house full of, full of people that would not like her with the intent to give. A whole new meaning to worship. And it challenged me, do I walk even into core church, the house of God himself, right? His house, prepared to give. The woman walked into this Pharisee's house, ready to give. As she stood, as she stood behind him uh, at his feet, she began weeping and she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and she poured perfume on them. A very Imagine this happening in front of you. First of all, kind of crazy, kind of weird, but this was the desperation that was there. And so I got to tell you something. Giving is a sacrificial act of worship. Giving is to be tied with sacrifice. In fact, there's a story in the Bible of a woman who gives two pennies as opposed to a loud, generous person who pours out a little portion of his wealth. And Jesus actually says, don't judge this woman who gave two pennies. She poured out everything for me. And I'll tell you this, giving isn't giving unless it's sacrificial. It has to be sacrificial. And so when Emmy and I, we, we look at our finances and we're provided for and, and, and it's beautiful, but we don't have kajillions and jillions of dollars. And every month it is, it is a sacrifice, but we're honored to sacrifice and worship. Every week when we come to the church, we did set up reoccurring giving. It is an honor to sacrifice and give what we have. So giving is a sacrificial act of worship. The story goes on. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. This Pharisee had made some conclusions, folks, that this was an inappropriate act. She's a sinner. Actually, she's unclean. So the fact that the Lord, the Savior, would allow in this context, in this time, that a man would allow an unclean woman to touch him, he himself would be unclean at this point. So you don't want to touch this woman. You don't want to allow her in your presence. You don't want her to be in your proximity. No, no, no. She's unclean, and yet we have a loving God who allows everyone who's unclean to come close. Amen. And so this Pharisee, according to his law and according to the, the religion of legalism, said, hey, this is inappropriate. And Jesus is about to take this dude and go and slap him real quick. The reality is going to be pretty harsh for this Pharisee. And so Jesus answered everyone there because he brought up a great point. Hey, this is, this is a sinful woman. Why is she touching you? And so Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. He said, tell me, teacher. I want to hear what you got to say. Two people, they owed money to a certain money lender. Isn't it interesting that in this topic and in this act of worship, Jesus could have chose any other topic, any other analogy. He could have talked about farming. He could have talked about plants, those types of things that happened 2,000 years ago, okay? He could have used any other analogy, but what did he choose to talk about? Finances. Because this was an act of generosity. So he starts talking from a money perspective. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay. Guys, this is us, by the way. We, we owed money to the money lender. The God of the universe gave us life, and we fell away and, and broke away. And 
made mistakes and drew away from our creator. And so we made, we were, we were falling apart. This is us that he's talking about, by the way. And we could never pay him back. You can never be perfect. You can never be righteous enough to be in good standing again. This is an out, this is an overwhelming, an overwhelming amount of money that you couldn't pay back. So he forgave the debts of both. How amazing. Now, which of them will love him more, question mark? Before we jump forward into the story, I preached about this in our marriage and our date night, which, by the way, that's coming up in a few weeks. And if you're engaged or married, we would love to meet with you guys and have our date night together. But now, which of them will love him more? I spoke two date nights ago about the fact that love and generosity are constantly connected. You cannot have love without generosity. You cannot have generosity without love. And in fact, love is the source and generosity is the overflow. And so when I love my wife, I've dedicated my life to her. I want to give to her everything I got. Does that make sense? And so love and generosity, you cannot find the two separated. They are inseparable. So when we love our Jesus, man, I don't want to just say I love you. I want to give him everything I've got as the overflow, the outpouring of my love. And it begins to change my heart. Simon replied, I suppose the person who had a bigger debt to be forgiven, they would love this money lender more, right? And Jesus says, you've judged correctly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, yet you did not give me any water for my feet. You invited me in and just had me sit at this table. You invited me in. Thank you for inviting me in, but you did not show me one ounce of generosity. You just wanted to debate with me. You wanted to argue with me. You wanted to receive from me. You wanted to see what I had to say. The Pharisee did not prioritize sacrificing or giving to Jesus at all. In fact, he wanted to trip him up. He wanted to see if he could find a problem with Jesus he didn't prioritize sacrificing for him at all and the story goes on but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair with her hair you did not give me a kiss but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet you did not put oil on my head but she has poured perfume on my feet do you see the difference between these two and here's the conclusion that we could make of this Pharisee, that this Pharisee's heart was not necessarily in love with Jesus. But this woman, who was a sinner and broken just like me and you, loved him with everything she had. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as great her love has shown. She didn't hold anything back. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, church, I don't want to hold anything back. When we love our Savior because he first loved us, when we love him, guys, church, we don't hold anything back. The assumption, the assumption was that she was a scandalous woman, possibly involved in prostitution, and the way that she received payment was this perfume. And this perfume was expensive, a year's worth of wages in other parts of the scriptures that it would say. So imagine her in this one 10-minute interaction, dumping $40,000 of perfume on his feet. 
she was madly in love with this Jesus. And she poured everything out. Does that make sense? As great her love has shown. But whoever has forgiven little, little loves little. Her generosity, what I spoke from the very beginning, her generosity revealed the true nature of her heart and the true place of her heart. Hey, you've been forgiven. In other words, your heart is in heaven. Your heart is with me. Your heart is my heart. Your nature is one of generosity. Your nature models the love that you have been shown. And so generosity revealed the true nature and the place of her heart. And I got to tell you today, and I got to challenge us all today, if God has wrecked your heart and changed you from the inside out, then let our generosity reflect that love. Amen, church. Amen. Not to build four walls, not to put a roof. This will, God will take care of all of this. But let's do it so our heart begins to change. Amen, church. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, he doesn't even acknowledge that. He just keeps on going and loving her. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Luke 7, 36 through 50. What a beautiful story. That an act of generosity, a sacrifice of everything she had, changed her heart from the inside out. Notice it didn't change a church. It didn't change a synagogue or a temple. No, no, no. It changed her heart from the inside out. And that's what I want us across the church to experience. Giving, and, and Emily and I have found this throughout our, our course, that giving changes our heart. Yes, it is a blessing to give to a church. Yes, it is a blessing to give to someone who's homeless. Yes, it is a blessing to provide rent for someone that you know or maybe give a car. Whatever it is that you can afford to give, whatever it is that you feel pressed by God to give, but ultimately it, it, it shapes our heart. This extravagant act is an example of great faith and true love. And, and so, church, I pray that for each and every one of you in this place and me and myself, I pray that we would understand that my heart is reminded who it belongs to and where it comes from when I give and pour everything out. I pray that you and I would have that same revelation. And so I want to share with you just real quickly four principles of giving, four things that go behind our giving that are so, so vitally important. And so this is where the rope comes in. Remember Jesus' sermon in Matthew chapter 6. And this is actually that statement found in Matthew chapter 6. Can we put this up there? Matthew chapter 6, I believe it begins in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. A lot of people will go and feed the homeless and post about it on Instagram so that they get some likes. A lot of people will go and extend themselves and say, oh, look, I, I did an awesome thing. I gave a car away. That's, man. Giving is, is not to be seen by others. I mean, yes, it, it is an inspiring act that can change the world around you, but let's make it a personal and private thing. If you do, uh, if you, do you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Man, God is not interested in boastful giving. He's not interested in prideful giving because the truth is this is not about you in the first place. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Giving is not a me thing. It's a heart thing between me and God. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, what will he do, church? He will reward you. 
Again, we're talking about the rope. Three things that we're called to do as followers of the way. Three things is to fast, to pray, and to give. And all of these three things, that when we do them together, we are promised a great reward. Amen, church? And so i got to tell you, giving is not a boastful act of worship. And I'll tell you this, and, and if you're thinking, well, the story she gave in front of all these Pharisees and then the people in, in the room, there was nothing boastful about her act of generosity. There was nothing prideful about, uh, about her act of generosity. She humbled herself in front of everyone in a shameful way and said, I don't care who is seeing, I am connecting with my heavenly father. I'm connecting with my savior. So, like, understand that there are moments that you may be seen, but the heart of boastfulness or a prideful heart can't be tied into giving. Giving is not a boastful act of worship. That's the first principle. Second principle is this. Each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. Wait, did you see that that woman approached Jesus' house with an alabaster jar? She knew, she had already pre-planned that she was going to express her love through generosity. As you have decided in your heart. And so we have an opportunity in light of what we're learning today and in light of seeing that God is all about this giving thing, not, not for the four walls, but for what happens in your heart, that we have to decide and make a decision on what we are to do with our wealth. We are to give. That's a decision you need to come to. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. We're not here twisting your arm. And I'll tell you what, if you don't feel called right now to give, that's totally okay. Please do not take this as a pastor trying to twist your arm to give to a church. That's not what this is. Truthfully, Em and I are prayerfully saying, we want you to feel a pull in your heart to make a decision, a heavenly, spirit-filled decision. For God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is an intentional and cheerful decision that you and I have to make. And so, yes, it is a sacrifice. Yes, it is hard to see the money go out. But we are intentional about it in our home, and we are excited to give to the house and see what God does with it. For God to, can take our little stuff and do abundantly more with it. We're excited for how it's going to go. Third thing, I'll say this. Bring the best of the first fruits. Someone say first fruits. Let me preach to you today. God is not an afterthought, but he is the priority. He is the priority. You will find in Old Testament scriptures, and this principle is really true, that the blessing is found in the first fruits. So, if you're talking about this heavenly reward that you and I are promised, let me be bold and say, if it's your last fruits, it won't be blessed. But truthfully, the blessing is in the first fruits. Now, don't get me straight. God is still going to bless you if it's the last fruits, okay? I, I really do believe that. But God will open up and do something huge in your life as you prioritize him first in your life. Understand that that giving shows where your heart truly is. And it reveals to yourself what is first in your life. And so when you give your first fruits, when you say, okay, here I have a thousand bucks, God gets the first hundred, something begins to change in your life. Not because you gave a hundred bucks, but because you're prioritizing him first. Does that make sense? And your life is just supernaturally blessed when you prioritize him first in all things. 
Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. I love this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Lisa just shared this earlier. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, God will bless you as you give, but understand that when you bring the first of your wealth, your barns will be overflowing. And, and I understand some people are like, oh, prosperity gospel. No, no, no. We also cannot deny that God wants to abundantly bless you in this place. He really does. And so don't miss out on it, but make him first. Make him first. And understand, even if it's $10 and you say, God, you have my first 10. God is in that. And stuff starts to shift. Giving is a priority, not an afterthought. Giving is a priority, not an afterthought. He is the first in my life. He'll take care of the food. He'll take care of the bills. He'll take care of the car. He'll take care of the house. He'll take care of all of our problems when we put him first. He'll take care of the job. He'll take care of the marriage when you put him first. He'll take care of your children when you put him first. We just saw that in dedication today. He will take care of everything if we put him first. Amen, church? Giving, it's a priority, not an afterthought. Last thing I'll say. We love because he first loved us. Remember, we talked about how giving and love are tied hand in hand. They are inseparable. We give because he first gave to us. You think your money is your own? You think your wealth is under your own power? You think the abundance that you have is because you're so great? We're not that great. And uh, we give because everything that I have is his already. Giving is a response to his generosity. Everything that you have in your home was given to you. And let me speak, let me speak real quick. Some of you might say, well, he didn't give me a lot. <laughs> There's this beautiful parable about the talents. And there were three servants. One talent, or one servant was given one talent. The other servant was given two, and the last servant was given five. And the servants that were given two and five, they were faithful with however many or however few talents they had. And do you know what happened? God doubled their talents and blessed them. And then the servant with one got scared because it's not much. My preacher, hey, 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 okay, it's not much. I don't want to give that away. I don't want to lose it. It's my one. And so the servant buried it and wasn't faithful with the talent. And so the master comes back and he says, wow, you've doubled to the two servants. He says, wow, you've doubled what I've given to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. And to the last one he says, you buried it. You buried what I gave you? Let me take it. And let me give it to this person who is faithful. So whatever you have been given, whether it's one, two, five, five thousand, five hundred, whatever it is, no matter the money amount, whatever it is, we're called to be faithful. And we're called to respond to his generosity in the first place. Yeah. This message, this message it's not a message about making a house core church super awesome. And, and like I said, bills are covered here. We're okay. 
Do we want to go out and change the world? Absolutely. Partner with us in, in that mission, and we're going to go and pray about how to use these to the best of our ability so that we can be faithful and watch God bless our community. But this message is about your heart today, church. This message is about your heart. We saw the woman who was far away from God, and, and she was a sinner, and the parable that Jesus used. Truth is, church, we're all broken. If you guys can bow your heads and close your, close your eyes. The truth is, church, we're all broken. We're all falling apart. And if your heart, if you've never met this Jesus, and this is kind of like the first or third or whatever time you're hearing of him, you need to understand that Jesus gave his life to give you life. Jesus came, died, and rose again so that you may be saved, so that you may be made right, so that he could see you in heaven, so that he could be within you today. But church, we have a big debt. <laughs> Nick Miller has made some big mistakes, and I couldn't repay it. And if that's you today, you've made some big mistakes, you haven't you couldn't repay it, but you want to be connected with this Jesus. The beautiful thing about what Jesus did on the cross is he paid the debt. Amen, church. He paid the debt. Can we all say it? He paid the debt. He paid the debt. And so the Savior is here and available to you. And if you want to connect with the Savior of the universe, if you want to give him your life, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's your Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. And that debt is gone, and that heaven, that kingdom life is available to you. If that's you, believers, we're praying fervently for those who are making that decision right now. If that's you and you need this Jesus, the debt has been paid. He can be your Lord and Savior today. If that's you, I want to challenge you to do something bold on the count of three. And that is to put up your hand, not a way of getting saved. You're not saved in putting up your hand, but it's a way of saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that you are my Lord and Savior. If that's you, no one's looking around, eyes closed. If that's you, you need to make that, make that decision today. Go ahead. One, two, just between you and him. Three, if you want to make that decision, go ahead and put your hand up in this place. Go ahead and put your hand up in this place. so that you may be set free that the debt would be paid can we pray for those who have made that decision if you made that decision pray in your heart God I give you everything thank you for giving me life thank you for giving me love thank you for giving me everything that I need I believe that you died and rose again thousands of years ago to set me free and to give me life and so today I confess my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and Savior I turn away from the old and I'm excited to step into the new journey with you in Jesus name everybody said amen can we lift up a shout of praise for those who made that decision today yeah, church we finished up the rope can we put this up here the rope